0: Woo!
1: the dream reality for the green bay phoenix the 18-year drought is history
0: the green bay phoenix are going
1: to the ncaa tournament
0: hey there everybody the fear the phoenix podcast is back i hope you're all having a great holiday season Christmas is coming and gone and New Year's is right around the corner, but hopefully everybody's doing well. Uh, we got Brian Dickman here and Jim Saro here with me as well. And, uh, you know, once again, time for a non-conference wrap-up edition of the Fear the Phoenix podcast. Uh, we did this last year. It's becoming a, an annual <laughs> episode for us. Uh, but, uh, Jim, good to talk to you again. Hopefully Santa was good to you this year.
1: Santa was great to me. I asked for one thing. I received it, and it was the – phoenix rising book so perfect i've actually started reading it too which is, uh, i'm even more impressed with myself
0: <laughs> yeah maybe a, a future episode we'll have to uh we'll have to do a jim sarah book review you'll have to let us know I, I got the book as well
1: i haven't started reading it yet though but
0: uh yeah definitely a cool gift
1: it's but uh considering yeah. enough, my kids are younger most of the books i read are like learning to read books so <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs>
0: Well, uh, today, so uh, you and I, Jim, we're going to be eating a holiday helping of crow because some of our over-under predictions from the last time recorded, uh, you know, we'll get into those throughout the podcast, but um, you know, one of the most glaring things that we got wrong was how we thought Green Bay would fare during the non-conference portion of the schedule. Um, they finished winless against Division I teams, um, You know, one and eight overall with the Uh, the lone win coming against division three opponent uw superior and uh, as we sit today they are two and nine overall with a couple horizon league games being played at the beginning of the month that they split with a win against robert morris and a loss to youngstown state but um let's go back and and kind of recap the non-conference season we won't go into it game by game because it would take forever and honestly be kind of depressing so uh uh, in our last podcast, we talked about an over-under on non-conference wins, and we set it at four and a half, Jim. And uh, here we are a couple months later with just one. And I believe you took the over, and your quote was, I see a path to five and maybe even six. So uh, that, that's our first helping of Crow, I think.
1: Well, a lot of people don't know that uh... – in addition to being a big fan of the Phoenix basketball team, I'm apparently a big fan of the Phoenix hand grenade team because I thought, you know, or horseshoe team, you know, because it's close counts and hand grenades and horseshoes. <laughs> right, yep. Uh, you know, the thing that stands out to me is that there were a couple of losses that, you know, obviously we'd love to get back. Indiana State lose by four. Greensboro lose by two. FIU lose by three. I mean, those are games that... Uh, you know, I, I basically thought they would close out and didn't, but that would have gotten them a lot closer to that uh, five-plus number that I was looking at. Uh, you get some of the games that they are right there. Even Weber State, they didn't play that terrible against. I mean, it's a 10-point game, but at the time, it was one of the better games that Weaver had uh, played. So it is really a function of just a couple of clunkers in there against uh, the mid-major level, in particular against uh, a conference opponent that really left a bad taste in them. But uh, for a non-conference, they were there, right there on the doorstep in, three, um, in the first three games they played.
0: Right. Yeah, and I'm going to you know, take a little credit here because I did take the under, but I did say uh, I see four wins. <laughs> so, you know, also wrong. But, yeah, like you said, a, a bunch of close calls that just didn't go their way. Um, you know, the, the three bye games against the Power Five teams didn't, Really expect them to win those but um, i thought they could go you know two and two or so against greensboro fiu weber state umkc um some winnable games there but uh alas here we sit so um let's kind of dig into like i said we're not going to go game by game but just kind of look at the good the bad the ugly from what was the non-conference portion those nine games that we saw uh, do you want to go first with your good or do you want to save the good for last or what do you want to do there, Jim?
1: Oh, no, we'll do it in order. Good, bad, and ugly. So. All right. Yeah. What do you put down for a good? Yeah. I just went with uh, some individual player improvement that I really liked. Um, you know, obviously a, a big surprise for most Phoenix fans was the performance of Donovan Ivory, 2nd uh, leading scorer on the team. And he's been a little inconsistent in these games. However, he has a ceiling that's significantly higher than most of the players on the team. He has a multi tool game, you know, in terms of a little bit of defense, a little bit of rebounding, a little bit of assist, a handful of turnovers, you know, multi tools, if you will. But uh, uh, I really like what we've seen from Donovan overall. And, you know, as we head into conference play, I think at the playing the guard position at his size and athletic abilities, be he may mismatch uh, if he's you know, really focused and dialed into each and every game going forward. So I thought that was a really good positive for them. Uh, obviously, the news came out today in the paper that there's a change at the starting point guard position. And, you know, we have Kamari McGee being it, you know, taking over as the starting point guard here in Northern Kentucky game on Thursday. And he really, you know, as the non-conference schedule really went along, he really improved. Um, you know, he was able to get in the, the paint, and put a lot of pressure on the defense and start scoring. So you had another scorer out there. I thought that was really great. And another young guy that, you know, isn't super consistent in terms of his playing time or, the you know, how he plays when he's out there. But, you know, you had Cade Meyer with a, a super high ceiling. Um, you know, how many times did you see him in the half court get a, a flush? Uh, you know, we've seen several of those. And that's a mark of physical strength and athleticism that most teams in their rise, most of the players in the Horizon League don't have. It's one thing to get a dunk in the open court, but he's throwing down stuff and attacking the hoop in the half court, and I really, really love seeing it. And a couple of other returners that you knew would be good, Manny Ansong kind of expanded his game, though inconsistent. Uh, You've seen him knock down some threes. And uh, Japan Kellogg, I thought it was actually multiple games this year where you've seen him finish over both his right and left shoulder in the post and get um, a little bit of post-touch game going, I think that'd be really good for the Phoenix offense to have somebody reliable inside. So those are my good that there are five guys that I actually think are doing reasonably well as individual talent.
0: Yeah, we, we definitely had the same idea there. Um, you know, you mentioned Kamari McGee. He's the the number one bright spot for me so far, uh, especially over the last three games, averaging over 15 and a half points, shooting 53% um, in his last three games. So, um, yeah, like you said, he's gonna gonna get the keys. He's gonna be the starting point guard. Uh, we wish Lucas Stieber a speedy recovery. Sounds like he tested positive for COVID, according to Scott Vencey. But um wish him well in his uh, return. But yeah, Kamari, you, you know, just whenever he's been given a chance, you know, when he plays more than 20. 25 minutes per game he's scoring in double figures so he's taking advantage of his playing time when he's getting it so good to see that he's going to be giving the chance to uh continue to be the starter but um you know just because he he adds another dimension to the offense you kind of mentioned it he can get into the paint he can finish at the rim kick it out to a shooter draw foul shoot free throws um you know, he he does have more turnovers than assists currently, so still a little bit of growing pains, but um, still a true freshman, so that's kind of to be expected, but uh, good to see he's going to get a chance to kind of learn on the job and play through some of those mistakes. Um, you know We highlighted some of the same guys. I also thought Japan Kellogg has come on strong this season. I like what he's doing. Um, you kind of hinted at it in our podcast last time how Uh, You didn't mention him by name, really, but Donovan Ivory has been a a pleasant surprise, though. He's kind of faded down the past few games or so. Hopefully he can uh, get back on track. But, um, yes, some individual efforts there. Definitely uh, showcasing some good things for Green Bay during the non-conference. So what do you have for a bad or
1: two? Well, I have uh, uh, three things on my bad list and um wouldn't be the christmas spirit if it wasn't a naughty list or a bad list right so uh, right The one thing i have on my bad list uh indiana state game greensboro and fiu all games that they had double figure leads in um all games that they lost by less than four points and just didn't as a group of players don't know how to close those games out so that was really that stung uh three-point shooting is on my bad list uh team is shooting 58 of 29 from deep, or 25%. And only three guys are over 30%. You've got uh, Jim Kirchman, 5 of 11. Mitchell is down very small sample size, 3 of 10. And Lucas at 9 of 30. So you have, you know, three guys at 30% or better. Uh, in today's college basketball game, that's not going to cut it. So that's on my bad list. And then something that I, I think happened, but I'm not really sure – it's all days, but uh, the Badger game, that was bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I also uh, have a little, I don't know, if, I don't think I fully remember that one just because uh, I know I was there, but I uh, couldn't tell you what happened after that game, <laughs> but uh, that was bad. But uh, I also had the ones that got away on my bad list. Um, you, know, you mentioned that, but just think about how much better we're feeling about this team if they're sitting at, know four and seven or even five and six instead of two and nine um you know that that hurts and i also have the blowout losses to youngstown and umkc on my bad list i mean it's one thing to get blown out by the badgers or minnesota but to get blown out at home against youngstown state who i constantly crap on for just being a terrible program (laughs) you know they've won 20 wins one time in two decades, <laughs> you know, two winning conference records in 20 years. So it's to get blown out at home by them, kind of, you know, that that just didn't sit well with me. So that one's on the bad list for me. Um, what about your ugly?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of alluded to it in the non-conference. No, uh, no non-conference D1 wins. Uh, one and eight overall. Um, versus. It, you know, versus D1. I actually did that, that number wrong, but you know, only one D1 win is not good. Yeah, one and eight overall versus D1. No D1 non-conference wins. That was ugly. And my other ugly is one of your bads, but uh, that YSU loss was really ugly. Uh, while it was happening, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. After the game, I saw multiple players, uh, families, and friends on social media. You know. Uh, putting out <laughs> lots of negative content and uh just like that was just a almost a breaking point in the season it felt like because it's like oh wow this was bad not only did we lose at home to a uh, you know program that's historically not been very strong but then there seemed to be some infighting you know amongst the uh ranks a little bit so that was that was ugly what about you brian what do you have for ugly
0: yeah and you know i'm just now realizing that wasn't a non-conference game but i feel like it was so bad it it deserved to be mentioned in the bad and the ugly sections of the podcast. So, um, but, uh, yeah, for my ugly, uh, you already mentioned the three point shooting, um, 347th in the country out of 358 teams. I checked today shooting 25.3%. So, uh, yeah, that's ugly. And, uh, the, the other thing I had ugly is defensive efficiency. That was another one of our over unders, um, and I I asked if they'd finish better than 240th in Ken Palm in defensive efficiency. They sit at 329th currently, uh, which was actually worse than last year. So um, not ideal. Um, you know, 43 of the 43 op- percent of the opponent shots are coming at the rim, according to Hoop Math, which is kind of crazy. Uh, 341st in the country, so you know, a lot of open looks, a lot of looks around the basket.
1: Not ideal. Breakdowns defensively, like that Minnesota game was a really good example of that. Like um, Jameson Battle, obviously a, a very talented player, you know, a guy that at six seven could shoot, could dribble. Uh, there's not a lot of guys running around the eyes that looked like that guy, but there were just tons of breakdowns where you know the whoever was on him got hung up in a screen and no, nobody helped or. If they help, they, you know, rotated off too fast. Like, I mean, that could just annihilate them. And he wasn't really doing anything super complicated. So, or super, you know, that required, like, out of this world athletic ability. I mean, there were just tons of defensive breakdowns. And we've seen that. Yeah, you know, I rewatched the Greensboro game. I had that one in my um, YouTube TV um, library. And I rewatched that one. And I was like, I saw tons of defensive breakdowns there, too, where, you know, in, at the end of it, there... They're doing a lot of good things, and then all it takes is one little mistake, and it's a bucket. So frustrating,
0: yeah, yeah, especially when they're you know they're just playing man to man, straight up, pretty much every time. Um, so yeah, just gotta have better rotations, better help defense, things like that.
1: Um, coach, so you know, calling for it every game, help side, help side, hear it all the time, help side, be in the help side position, and they're you know. They'll have guys there, but then they they leave too soon. (laughs) Or, (laughs) like, it's just, it's just, like, little stuff that's not, um, you know, like, the little finite details are just not ironed out yet. I I have no doubt they work at it. I have no doubt they watch video and and, and try to improve on it. But just, you know, got a lot of young guys playing for the first time. It's going to take a while.
0: Yeah, they are the... um second most inexperienced team in the country according to Ken Palm which is kind of crazy but yeah that's where some of that youth and inexperience is showing so uh, that's a wrap on the non-conference season and I guess the first two Horizon League games but uh, I can only go up from here right Uh, but I guess the good news is uh, it seems like the rest of the Horizon League isn't much better than Green Bay this season so um, Jim I thought we'd take A little time to play a game made famous in the 1999 movie Office Space. You see, it would be this mat that you would put on the floor
1: and would have different conclusions written on it that you could jump to.
0: That is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life, Tom. Yes, yes, it's horrible, this idea jump to some conclusions about what we've seen from the horizon league team so far this season. So, uh, the first one, Oakland is the best team in the league this season. Is that a conclusion that you're willing to jump to?
1: Uh, no, but they're way better than I thought they would be. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So who would you think your best team in the horizon is at this point?
1: Um, I think you know, obviously Oakland has a very impressive non conference win against Oklahoma State. Uh you know, they have two of the most well, they have the most physically dominant player in the league in Jamal Kane, who can do a lot of things, you know, who can shoot from deep, who can, you know, play above the rim, he can, you know, slash, you can play in open court, like um very, very, very t- talented player, very difficult to stop. But they only really have five or six guys that are capable of playing right now. And, you know, like a lot of teams um, defensively, like their initial defensive effort is really good. But, you know, the longer you can work them into the shot clock, the more susceptible they seem to be to mistakes. Like they have this swarming initial defense with their zone. And then, you know, you start moving the ball around and don't turn it over, uh, they will break down. So I, I have them as really good and but you know definitely top three in the league but not the best team in the league or won't be the best team in the league at the end of
0: it yeah it's crazy they have four guys that have played 85 percent of their minutes (laughs) it's it's kind of crazy like you said you know they're not very deep by any means um i i agree with what you're saying i'm not ready to jump to the conclusion that oakland is the best team in the league um i think Cleveland State's been pretty impressive. Um, I still, you know, relatively speaking, compared to the rest of the Horizon League, I should say. Um, you know, Wright State still kind of lurking. I, I'm not ready to give up on them yet, but um, yeah, I'm not quite ready to to jump to the conclusion that Oakland's the best team in the league. Uh, so for the next one, the most surprising team, I said Youngstown State. Would you, would you jump to that conclusion?
1: uh surprising in a good way
0: in a good way yes
1: um no i would not and they have some losses on that resume that are just atrocious (laughs) (laughs) um but i also i also think they're way better than i gave them credit for but my best surprise would be oakland actually i had oakland pick seventh and i would tell you today they're top three whereas youngstown you know definitely um they they have a good record seven and four overall but they haven't really played anybody and some of those three of those four losses are uh, impressively bad <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> yeah i saw you edwardsville and niagara those are a couple of bad losses on there for sure um i think for me just because of how much i really don't respect their program i guess it would be the the best way to say it uh i had them picked 11th i believe and i you know, right now they're they're sitting at two and zero, and um, you know they're they're looking okay. I see they just scheduled a non D one team to make up for their um, canceled Horizon League games this week, so they're going to be padding that uh, win column a little bit more. But um, I think for me, just because my baseline for them was so low, they are my most surprising team in a good way. Um, so then as far as your most disappointing team i you know i'm kind of torn on this one i went with milwaukee was mine what what are you thinking
1: Uh, yeah i was torn between two teams and uh milwaukee's definitely one of those two teams i think that uh it would be easy to to point at milwaukee and say definitely uh surprising in a bad way to the media hype that was surrounding their season and surprise in a bad way to the their own internal beliefs. I mean, they were talking championships. Their fans were talking Sweet 16. The media was, you know, all over this team. You know, being able to run roughshod through the Horizon League, and uh, right now they look like a team that could easily fall apart. And and you know, in the words of uh, Jim Moore, I just want to win a game. <laughs> you know, <like> <laughs> right. Able to do that. So um, they have some talent for sure. But they got to figure out a way to put it all together. You and I kind of talked about this on the side. The the fan sentiment for their program is really, I mean, like they kind of lifted back up off the off the ground a little bit. And like their mid season, their their hardcore fans, message board type fans are saying, "Fire PBS, have PBJ shut it down." Like this is a once in a lifetime guy, and you, know, you have your your most dedicated fans saying, "Get out of town." So. Like, that's, <laughs> It's not, you know, on a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah.
0: And yeah, it's fun to watch from afar, but, um, that yeah, they've, good- sure. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm thinking about that loss to Alcorn state. That was, um, that was brutal. You know, they've lost, uh, they've lost to some decent teams, but, um, they haven't really looked good in a, a lot of their games. Um, so honorable mention though, for me, I'm guessing we're on the same page, Northern Kentucky. Um, they've been kind of disappointing for me. I think a lot of people had them pick top three, top five,
1: but. i say it's like, it's almost like we did a pre-call, but we didn't.
0: (laughs) We never, we don't discuss things (laughs) beforehand. Um, but yeah, I'll be interested to see how Green Bay matches up with them, uh, in a couple days because kind of similar resumes, um, you know, except the only difference being really that. Northern Kentucky had a little bit of expectations ahead of the season, and Green Bay really hasn't. So, um, yeah, I just think NKU not really living up to those preseason
1: predictions. No, you look at some of the numbers around NKU, you know, offensive efficiency at the time of this recording was at 194, defensive efficiency at 203. It's like a team that just doesn't do anything that great. Like, they're not terrible, just don't do anything great. And um you know, they have all of the pieces. You've got Faulkner, you've got Warwick, you've got Langdon, you've got a couple of new players, you have two big forwards in, in uh, Nelson and, and Chris Brandon, you have David Bam, like that's a team that's got a lot of pieces and it makes you think there's either a coaching or a player chemistry issue because the system that they work or that they run has worked before and it's not working now. So it's yeah. Uh, right. you know, they play at a slow pace. They shoot a lot of threes and you know, the, whatever they're doing is not working basically, but big, big disappointment. But I'm guessing, I think I'm going to draw my, uh, my line in the sand here and say, as much as I have them, as much as I think they're disappointing, they are not operating with a consensus lottery pick in the top five ranked high school player in the country. Yep. Every in the world, free world thinking that they were going to be awesome. So yeah, it was, you know, Like, they're my second biggest disappointment.
0: So, for the last uh, conclusion that we're going to be jumping to, uh, if you had to, off the top of your head, I guess, uh, because we don't ever prepare or discuss things beforehand, but um, what would be your top four uh, to get to Indy for the Horizon League tournament right now, if you had to jump to a conclusion?
1: Yeah, I think I've got Wright State. I mean, that North Carolina State win, kind of shows what a lot of people were thinking uh, about them you know there's a team that has shot particularly well doesn't play particularly great defense and is isn't particularly deep but the, the starting players they have kind of like oakland are pretty good uh cleveland state for sure uh i've got uh i have detroit mercy not just because they're 2-0 and um right now because you know they got a Pretty weak schedule to start with in conference play. They got a benefit of a road win in IUPUI, I believe, and then they got uh, a USC road win. But you know, when I look at their team, I see them occasionally playing like the team that could be really good. And I see them other times, you know, in full on Antoine Davis chuck mode. Uh, but when they when they let the other guys get involved, like and Madut Akech is one of my favorite players in the league, like that guy plays super hard. He can do a lot of things, and in some respects, I think it's better than Bull uh, Cool last year. I just feel like they've got enough other players that uh, they could be pretty dangerous if Antoine Davis plays within himself and not just go full hero mode. And uh, for that fourth spot, uh, you gotta go with uh, Oakland right now. I mean, at the end of the day, they they're winning. Winning is contagious. Winning breeds winning, and they're doing it. So that's probably my top four, Wright State, Cleveland State, Detroit, Mercy, and Oakland. So basically, if you're not in the state of Ohio or the state of Michigan, you are not going to Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, Brian, what conclusion are you going to jump to for a uh, top four in the league?
0: Wow, I was just looking at your uh, your original predictions here and your pinned tweet. Um, You've got, you got three or four, the only one. Is Oakland? You have you had Wright State one, Cleveland State two, Detroit Mercy three. So you're still you're still hanging on to that. I think uh, I'm going to jump to the conclusion that it'll be Oakland, Cleveland State, Wright State, and NKU. Um, I think you know there's just something about Northern Kentucky in the Horizon League tournament. They seem like I don't know, they just have this they have the sauce, I guess. Um, can't really explain it. So. Um, and that just coincidentally happens to be the the top four in Ken Palm right now. That has nothing to do with my uh my conclusion that I'm jumping to. But uh,
1: you're a um, very intelligent uh man, and so I'm surprised you don't have a little overall reversion to the mean thing going with uh, Nku that that they've had the secret sauce for so long that they're due for some L's. Uh, because I quite frankly. Find some of the fans that they have On uh, social media Not our guy Kyle by the way I actually appreciate his posting But um, some of the other fans Have definitely been in need of a lot of L's And I would love to see them just Pile up for Northern Kentucky Quite frankly
0: Oh I'm not opposed to to Northern Kentucky coming back down to earth uh, Yeah I totally agree um, Yeah I I hope we uh, we beat the brakes off them On Thursday but uh you know, I just – just a gut feeling that I have right now. So um, I guess one last one I, I just thought of off the top of my head because we don't prepare. Um, you had Green Bay sixth in your preseason. Cole, are you sticking with that? Or how are you feeling about the Phoenix?
1: Yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Like, at the end of the day, uh, I think the Kamari-McGee move is uh, a little bit of a game-changer for them. It just brings more more of a ceiling – uh, for the offense I mean you know when you look at the offense efficiency it's 283 and Kent bomb um, defensive efficiency 329 uh, I think kamari playing more helps both those things um, so I I actually I like Lucas in that bench role like the guy knows everything that's happening on the court he's the leader on the team I like him you know coming in there and just playing balls out for you know 15 20 minutes a game Um, but I like Kamari better as a starter, and so I think that'll help. I really think Chapanna Kellogg is coming along. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of that post action, but I mean in, in the first half against Minnesota, no Grand Minnesota wasn't super huge uh, as a team, but he hit a uh, you know a, a hook in the lane or a running you know hook in the lane off of out of both hands, and he had also done that, I think against Kansas City, if I remember correctly. So you're seeing a guy that's like you know really kind of just making an improvement. And uh, I also expect Donovan Ivory and Anson to look a lot better in conference play. And so I, I feel pretty good about, um, you know, Green Bay being better than their two and nine record and one and one in conference play. I, I really not, I'm not, I'm not selling yet.
0: Yeah. I, I hear you. Um, yeah. It'll be good to, to be facing some, uh, you know, easier competition, I guess <laughs> would be the word uh, I'm looking for, but um yeah, I I I had them finishing eighth in my preseason prediction, and I definitely don't think they're gonna finish worse than eighth. But I don't know if I can see them moving up just because, um, you know, the teams ahead of them are pretty good. So uh, I think I'm gonna stick with my eighth.
1: Because um, you know, when you think about the bottom of the league, I haven't seen anything from UIC. I think Yaklich is tremendously overrated. I sent you this at the uh. Uh, the last game that they played, uh, I think it was against Northern Illinois, and I don't know if you actually went back and watched it, but like they just made the dumbest mistakes I've <laughs> ever seen down the stretch of that game. And Yaklich just like stood there and rolled his eyes and didn't say a <laughs> word, and you can tell he's like annoyed, but he just like didn't do anything. I'm like, okay, coach something, do something. Uh, <laughs> from them. Uh, Robert Morris is, you know, a team with tremendous individual talent, but hasn't figured out how to put together. Uh, IUPUI is really struggling. Um, Milwaukee, you know, definitely struggling. And Fort Wayne's a team that has some nice pieces, but at over at the end of the day, they're only five and five uh, overall and one and one in conference play. So I, I, I mean, there's definitely a case to be made that these teams aren't way better than Green Bay, if at all better, when they go head to head.
0: Right, yeah, it should should make for some really good games, you know, over the next couple months or so. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, but that was jumping to conclusions. Thanks, Jim, for for playing along.
1: Um I guess that's good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So just a, a little bit of news, I guess, happened uh, the past week or so. Um, first one being that. The end of the semester has brought about some more roster turnover with Blayton Williams and Donovan Moore, both deciding to enter the transfer portal. You know, Blayton missed all of last season with a hip injury. He only played a total of 26 minutes this season in seven games. Uh, Donovan Moore was redshirting. So maybe this was his plan all along to keep eligibility for another season. Um, but he also kind of battled injuries last season and scored 18 points in seven games. Uh, Jim Will, Ryan spoke highly of both of them when we talked to him back in April, but uh, it seemed like for whatever reason they're just not in the plans for this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, you know, with Blayton as an example, um, you know, he got in there a couple times and he didn't really show you anything. Nothing, Nothing that made you feel like, okay, well, this guy needs to play more. Um, and he's kind of in an in-between role, like, you know, uh, maybe not a good enough ball handler to be a point guard, not a good enough shooter to be a shooting guard, uh, but definitely a guy that, in the right fit, was, seemed pretty athletic, and probably get some things done, you know, just being able to attack the, you know, in the open court and go downhill a little bit. And uh, Donovan Moore was a guy I really liked. I had seen him practice a couple times, and... I liked his defensive intensity. I liked that you know he had the ability to get in the paint, but um, it seems like you know he was a little out of control at certain times. And most of the players on the roster, if you get out of control, uh, you come out of the game. And just feel like he didn't really fit what was happening. Uh, a guy that I don't know where he'll end up, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him in a different program, uh, you know, I don't know if the D1 level or maybe a level below, but doing pretty well because he had a lot of physical tools that uh, are pretty impressive. And, um, you know, this year in the open scrimmage, like he was really good shooting the ball on the ground as unguarded, but you know, he was way more improved than I was expecting. So sad. To, I'm sad to see him go. He's one of the guys that I thought could be good for this program. Uh,
0: yeah, for sure. It, it'll be interesting to see where they end up. Um, you know, obviously everybody knows about P.J. Pipes, Josh Jefferson, and Amari Davis going on to other, you know, decent programs, but there have been some other darner era transfers that ended up out of Division One altogether, like Paris Taylor's and uh, Division Two, Demonte Taylor playing JUCO, Jacob Jones is in at an NAIA school, I think. So, um, you know, just kind of the roster turnover continues and. Um, you know, especially those last three guys I mentioned. Kind of, you know, I don't want to be harsh, but it seems like, um, you know, pretty much wasting a scholarship on guys that aren't Division One level. So, um, you know, maybe it's a good thing that we're opening up a, a scholarship here for for the off season. Uh, we already have six ten Donovan Short signed. So, uh, just will be kind of you know, interesting to watch to see what what they do if they're going to be more active recruiting. 2022 high school players again or maybe do some shopping in the transfer portal um you know what what would your preference be there jim i guess at, at this stage of the game with with just the one scholarship
1: available best shooter they can get <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, guy i really like his high school player jack rose um that would be you know somebody that looks like that you know six five and can shoot and can create their own shot um but that's a freshman so it's A guy that, you know, you're talking is a couple years away from probably being an all-Horizon League level player. But somebody like that would be great in my mind. Um, You know, but I think that there'll probably be a couple more openings here, you know, as the season, once the season winds down. And they'll be able to get a good mix of young and experienced players to fill the roster. Uh, One thing I think that'll be interesting to, you know, navigate here, though, is with Blayton gone and Donovan Moore gone. um, And then you have... Uh, Mitchell style out with an undetermined for an undetermined amount of time you know that puts you down to 12 players in practice it puts you down to you know 10 or eleven scholarship players 10 scholarship players in um, game situations so a team that couldn't really shoot that well is even more stretched thin in their guard depth so it'll be something to watch here uh, as it relates to this season but um, for filling the next spot like For sure, if we only had one guy, I'd say the best shooter you can get that can create a shot.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, they don't grow on trees. Um, But yeah, like like that, definitely a team need. (laughs) Um, So then the other piece of news that came out recently, obviously a, a little bit happier news. We've got two former Green Bay Phoenix players in the NBA now. Uh, so happy for both of these guys. Uh, Alfonso McKinney signing for the rest of the season with his hometown, Chicago Bulls. Um, he had signed a couple of 10 day deals with them, but he was the first player to actually get a sign for the rest of the season after all these COVID um, related signings. And then uh, Kiefer Sykes, finally getting his first chance at some regular season NBA action. He signed actually a two year deal with the Pacers, but um, next season being a, a team option, but, um, you know, it's just both of these guys really have a crazy story going from being lightly recruited out of the same high school in Chicago, playing together at UWGB, playing professionally all over the world. And, um, you know, now, especially for Kiefer finally getting that NBA opportunity, but also for McKinney to, to be playing in his hometown team. It's, it's really cool.
1: Yeah. I think it's awesome. You know, those guys made it to the NBA Uh, for Kiefer. It's Probably way longer overdue than I would have expected. Like he has produced everywhere he's been, uh, and he's not necessarily a guy that, you know, at his size, passes the uh, proverbial eye test. But um, that's why, the, you know, you can't measure the heart because that's on the inside. And that guy plays hard. He brings a lot to the table, and I, I hope they both have a tremendous success. And, and you know, McKinney getting back in the league, like, I thought that was only a matter of time. You know, when you've been on championship teams like he has in the past. And you just kind of know your role and you know how to uh, excel in it. I think that'd be, you know, it's been, you'll be a good fit because winning teams, not like the Bulls are a winning team right now, they need guys that can come in there and support their stars. You know, they've got Ball and, and DeRozan. They need guys that can come in there and say, okay, how do we accentuate those guys' positives? And, you know, something that kind of always stands out to me. I remember when Coach Wardle was in Green Bay, he would say it all the time be a star in your role. And, um, you know, that kind of what the, these guys are now tasked with doing is being a star in their role, supporting the main guys on these other NBA teams and still being, you know, respectable threats, but not being a ball hog. Like, um, I know we're on a Fear the Phoenix podcast, not out of Fear the Deer podcast, but like, I can't stand watching Jordan Noir play for the Bucs because he thinks he's, <laughs> you know, taking step back jumpers and, you know, does stupid things when he's playing. The guys off the bench have to be a star in their role. And uh, McKinney and Sykes, I think, are going to be great at that at the NBA level. Um, you know, Brian, I want to think, I want to give you a little um, something to think about. I think the 2013 14 Phoenix team was the best ever in the in the history of the program. And when people think about the glory days, a lot of people talk about Dick Bennett, which obviously he had tremendous success. Uh, but that 13 14 team was only seven years ago. And that was a team that not only did you have two guys in the NBA, you had Alec Brown get drafted in the NBA. You had Greg Mays uh, get drafted in the G League. And you also had Jordan Biles and Carrington Love on the team. Like, that was a loaded team.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then to rain on the parade, it, it <laughs> makes it hurt that much more that they never made the NCAA tournament. But, uh, no, I totally agree. That team was so much fun to watch every single night. Um and, you know, just thinking back to, to these two guys specifically, what a an what awesome feather in the cap for for Green Bay's program. One of only 43 schools to have multiple players in the NBA right now, according to Spotrack. It's the same number as Butler, Washington State, Boston College, and Pitt. More than several Power 5 schools, including Wisconsin, I believe. Um, unless Aleem Ford signed again today, but, you know, even still um, – you know it's 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 pretty awesome What you know just having i, I, I gotta think that's a good recruiting you know <laughs> pitch because it's not just the nba guys i feel like green bay has a ton of guys playing professionally that um you know more so than other horizon league schools do
1: i definitely agree with that that green bay yeah there was that thing from jeff goodman a couple of years ago about you know other coaches ranking every school by different categories and selling pros was one of the categories and uh you know green bay has put a tremendous amount of guys into professional basketball somewhere around the world um and i I definitely think that that is a selling point for phoenix basketball um and hopefully we have more guys you know at that level going forward i mean you certainly see the raw talent in some of the guys that have signed Bay.
0: yeah i actually updated the uh the website new uh Fear the i've got a Knicks and the pros page there i just kind of i hadn't updated it in a while to be honest but uh, i was just kind of curious to see where all these guys are playing so check that out if you um, wanna catch up on where guys are all around the world playing but um so those are just a couple of couple of uh pieces of news pretty big pieces of news but um glad we are able to, to touch on those so uh jim let's finish up here talking about what's coming up we got I think we're going to talk about three games here because um, you know we don't we don't pot as much as we like but uh, within the next week we've got northern Kentucky on Thursday Great State on Saturday and then Milwaukee coming to the Rush Center on Wednesday so if we uh, let's kind of go one by one here um, starting with northern Kentucky on Thursday I think you had a tweet where you're kind of surprised to see that you know BB&T Arena maybe hasn't been House of Horrors that it seems like it has been <laughs> the past couple years, but uh, NKU has won eight of the last ten against Green Bay, but um, they two teams split last year with the COVID schedule playing back-to-back, but uh, those games are in Green Bay, but um, what are you looking for Thursday night with with Northern Kentucky?
1: Well, get on the glass. That's a big thing for Green Bay basketball, and um, in- Minimize turnovers. Northern Kentucky is a team that wants to turn you over. They want to get an easy uh, transition basket. I think that Northern Kentucky's uh, zone is, you know, a matchup zone or whatever they're playing. They start out really strong, but as the possession wears on, they, you know, have more breakdowns. And I, I look at um, a guy like Manny Ansong. Uh, he annihilated Robert Morris's zone. Now, granted, they're different because that was a 2 3 zone versus the matchup zone, but like, there's still, like, Manny Ansong on the baseline, you know, is a big, big factor. And I still remember, plain as day, uh, the last time that Green Bay won at BBT and Arena, Manny Patterson had a big game in the high post. And, um, you know, he was hitting jumpers. He was making passes out of the high post. And he got the ball in the middle of the zone, and he just turned and made plays. And guys like Donovan... Um, or not to me not that i an ivory, but Cade Meyer and Manny Ansong could definitely do that in this game. Kipanik Kellogg as well. So I really feel like they've got a good good chance if they get on the glass and uh, you know don't turn the ball over against the initial setup of the zombies
0: Yeah, and and I know Ken Palm's not the Bible or anything, but uh, he's got Nku by eleven, which seems like a lot. Uh, I think this will be a tight game. Um, it's kind of interesting you mentioned that Manny Patterson game. That'll actually be two years to the day uh, that when Green Bay won that game back on December 30th, 2019. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that one. That one might have uh, some seeding implications since these two teams will probably be you know, pretty close in the standings at the end of the year. So um, well, it should be a good one on Thursday night. And then uh, Saturday – Green Bay heads to the Nutter Center to take on Wright State, where they've lost seven straight games. Uh, you know, a lot of that due to, you know, Wright State's just been pretty much the dominant program in the league for the past few years. But, um, you know, uh, last year uh, I think Green Bay went there, and those kind of felt like moral victories at the time because, you know, not a lot of not a lot was expected of Green Bay in those games, and Wright State was obviously the the Preseason favorites and Green Bay kept it close till the end there in uh, both those games. But um, what are you expecting this time around?
1: Yeah, Wright State has been you know a place that Green Bay has always struggled to play well at. Uh, going back, Tom Kowalczyk, Brian Wardle, you know, like it doesn't seem to matter who's coaching our team. Uh, we have not played well at the Nutter Center. Um, Wright State, you know, you've got guys like. Grant Basili, Tanner Holden, um, Trey Calvin. They, they've got some players, um, but there's that's not a very deep team. I was surprised to see how fast uh, Ken Palm has their tempo at. I believe they had my 36th in tempo. And because uh, they don't really seem like they play up and down basketball, so they must just be you know, getting good enough looks in the half court fast enough that they're playing at a pretty fast uh, pace. But um, ultimately... I hate to go uh, darner full darner here, but it would feel really good this weekend.
0: <laughs> you want the split? <laughs> uh, I, one thing that's interesting to note is, right state is dead last in the Horizon League in rebounding margin. I was kind of surprised to see that. Um, it's not a very good rebounding team, so um, you know, hopefully,
1: hopefully Green Bay can exploit that. Yes. Yeah, especially- Bay, like getting in the offensive glasses when you're struggling to shoot like green bay has get the offensive glass and get those easy putbacks like i that's um that's a that's a big part of it for them and so i'm surprised that they have that they're last in margin because you think a guy like rampus so he's so big that they should be getting more but they really don't have any depth and their other guys aren't that big so it doesn't I guess it makes sense now that you say it, that they're last. I just wanted to thought that initially. Right.
0: Yeah. I was, I was pretty surprised to see that. Um, and then uh, finally, uh, Wednesday, next week, Wednesday, Milwaukee comes to town. You know, not too long ago, Jim, we were kind of questioning if it was even a rivalry, but uh, UWM has won three of the last four, including a sweep in Green Bay last season. Uh, we already talked a lot about <laughs> how disappointing they are, but, uh, what are you expecting in this one on Wednesday night?
1: Well, you know, you've got such an interesting thing going on in Milwaukee because some of their senior, older players, like uh, Josh Thomas, aren't consistently in the lineup. A guy like DeAndre Golston is, uh, you know, just the, absolutely can play you in or out of a game. And the series seems to have played them out of more games than he's played them into. Uh, they really have no front court presence at all, despite having several very tall players. Um, you know, I know Joey St. Pierre, I believe, leads the league in blocks, but overall he's not um you know he's not this huge presence in the post, certainly not on offense. Um and the other guys like Moses Bull and Samba Kane really aren't bringing a lot to the table. So that's a very winnable game. I hope that the Green Bay Faithful make it out on a Wednesday night. I hope they're aware that the game is on a Wednesday night. It's kind of a weird night for Horizon League basketball. To have a rivalry game on Wednesday night it sucks. Um but I hope yeah. people should. and uh one thing I just want you know people to know when they watch Pat Baldwin, like a key to stopping Pat Baldwin is making him put the ball on the floor. If he catches and shoots, it you know it's lights out like that that game against Robert Morris where Jordan Burnfield was like kissing his butt from here to there. Uh, <laughs> but he just literally caught the ball and shot you know wide open threes. If you make him put the ball on the floor, he has not this season demonstrated the ability to create his own offense. Uh he is a legit NBA prospect though. He has got the body for it, the athletic you know, the smoothness, if you will. He's got a feel for the game, he's a really good teammate, gets his teammates involved. He just can't create his own shot. So like anybody that thought he was gonna score thirty points, uh, is gonna be sadly mistaken, but he's still a really good player. But gonna beat him, make him put it on the floor. Yeah, hopefully
0: we don't see any of the uh you know the Steph Curry that he pulled against Robert Morris where he shot the three and started woofing at the at the bench before it even went in. <laughs> uh but uh yeah like you said might not be a lottery pick uh, at this point but um you know he's definitely definitely gonna be a NBA draft pick I think
1: and like that Rob, that that shot against Robert Morris he's sitting there squared up catches the ball right in the shooting pocket, doesn't have to dribble it, doesn't have to move. Like, that's a Steve Kerr shot back in the Jordan uh, heyday, like having a shooter in the corner. But he didn't create that shot. He just, you know, he just shot it over the top of every, you know, six four guard that's in the league. But he didn't create it. So, like, really being able to hard close out on him and, and make him put it on the floor, like, he's not going to do a two-dribble pull up and hit the jumper. And if he does it, he's not going to do it more than once. So... That's to me get it making him put the ball on the floor. if you just let him have his feet set and catch it and shoot, you're in trouble, but hard close out make him make him move.
0: yep uh we'll end with a little trivia question for you here jim i'm gonna gonna put you on the spot, but uh who was the last nBA draft pick to play a game in Green Bay? off the top of your head the le-
1: the last nBA draft pick.
0: Yeah, like, who's the last who's the last player that ended up being an NBA draft pick to play a game in Green Bay?
1: Not for Green Bay, just in Green
0: Bay. Yeah, just in Green Bay.
1: Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Gordon Hayward.
0: Dylan Windler. Oh. Yeah, That's Belmont cool. uh, back in. 2018 he actually scored 31 points for Belmont but Green Bay won that game 100 to 92 but uh yeah thought thought that was kind of a cool little trivia because PBJ probably going to be a, a NBA draft pick so uh come on out watch Green Bay beat an NBA draft pick love it all right well uh anything else Jim I think that was a lot of ground to cover um, you know pretty much 2 months worth of of information there but uh yeah anything else you want to talk
1: about yeah we have one big thing so over under podcasts we said five this is two so we right got a lot two. now in uh march <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah we, we we got some work to do there <laughs> awesome well uh thanks for your time jim thank you everyone for listening i hope you had a great christmas hope you have a, a happy new year and um we'll talk to you again in january sometime we're, we're gonna we're going to do these more regularly. I'm, I'm promising you <laughs> we're going to hit that five, Jim. Uh, so, all right. Thanks everyone. We'll talk to you later.